You give them what they want, and they don't care what goes on in you. But we devote ourselves to them. Then there's those, their retirement, and they tell you Northwestern Mutual and all of these retirements that you need to focus and devote your life for retirement. Isn't that crazy? That you would live your whole life for a season that ends and ushers in eternity? That all of this would be for a few years of sitting by a pool, probably physically, you know, wishing I would have lived life earlier than now? How many know what I'm talking about, right? But, but they want to focus on you should devote your life to retiring, even though that's insane. There's others that devote their life to screen time. They think screen time is where they're at. Listen to this. The Nielsen Company audience reports reveals that adults in the United States devoted about 10 hours and 39 minutes each day to consuming media during the first quarter of 2021. The work week still takes 40 hours. You sleep at 7 hours a night, which is 49 hours. And if we assume all personal care, such as eating, bathing, dressing, preparing food, is 3 hours a day, then we have 58 hours a week left over for all other things, Gentile says. This includes hobbies, sports, spending time with children, spending time with friends, romantic partners, reading, learning, exercise, participating in a faith community, volunteer work, house maintenance. He added, if people are spending over 50 hours a week with media for entertainment, there's no time for those other things. And maybe we've devoted our life to a pit called social media. That didn't get any response. Some devote their life to family. Pew Research Center reported that 69% of Americans stated that family was their primary focus of devotion. Others, their career. That same Pew Research Center study showed that 34% of Americans said their career required most of their devotion. 56% of Americans say having a good job is essential to good well-being. And still other Americans, friendship, they've devoted their time to friendship. 58% of Americans say having good friendship is essential to having well-being in their life. That which these responses reveal a profound dissonance between what Americans say they value and how they live. According to the public, the two things most essential to fulfilling a life were having good friends and a job or a career that they enjoy. But most of us rate our jobs as being either mediocre or bad. And if judged by how we spend our time, then we appear to uh, place vanishingly little importance on friendship because we spend so little time with it. If you're devoted to friends, you would think you would spend time with friends. You know, and it's an interesting thing because um, in first week, on the first night of first week, the speaker made this statement. Because we all think it's just, well, just, I, you know, I'm kind of the victim of everything that's happening in my life. Can I tell you, you're not a victim. This was a quote that he brought up, and I thought it was interesting. I wrote it down, and I want to put it on a sign and put it all over our buildings. Because the reality is, every system is perfectly designed to get the results it gets. The reason things continue to happen, the reason you continue to devote yourself to certain things is because the system in your life pushes you that way. 
It sets you up that way. How you're living your life, it literally kind of dictates your life. And, and so if your system is designed to do that, you're a fool to think it's going to change until the system changes. What you're devoted to, the thing you're devoted to, the people and causes, and this is back at the beginning. Please go all the way back to the first slide, the very first one. Um, the people and causes we are most devoted to in our life will grow the most in our life. If you're devoted to your marriage, your marriage is going to improve. If you're devoted to your children, your relationship with those children is going to improve. You're devoted to your job, it's going to improve. If you're devoted to getting rid of debt, it's going to get lower. What you give your devotion to grows. It's a fact of life. And something that is so incredible about this, a truth, a revelation, if there's anything you really need to remember in this message, it's this one truth. God is devoted to you. God is 100%, and I would say not hopelessly, He's hopefully devoted to you. He gave His Son, Jesus Christ, because of His devotion to you. And what's incredible about this is you're going to grow this year because God is devoted to you growing. He is working in your life to cause you to grow closer to Him. Isn't that amazing? That the creator of the universe isn't giving up on you, no matter what you've done or the experience you've had or the failure. But he's, he's wanting, to, he's devoted himself in hopes that you will devote yourself to him. You know, it's interesting because there are two people in the world. There is the believer and there's the unbeliever. And it's sad when you see so many people who believe in the creator of the universe, believe that we live in the kingdom of God, that are taking advice from people who don't even acknowledge the presence of God. They don't acknowledge the presence of a supernatural kingdom. They don't think as people in a kingdom. They think in a manner where there is no God, there is no supernatural, there is no power outside of the power that lies in us. And yet we take our cues from that world. And God's saying, I want you to devote yourself to me. So the world doesn't devote itself to God. So it doesn't grow in that way. But as believers, we need to devote ourselves to the word of God, the promises of God. In Matthew 6, it says this, seek first his kingdom. Don't you love my voice right now? <laughs> Sounds like I'm going through junior high. <coughs> seek first, can I get a bottled water? Can you get, yeah, can you bring that? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. What he's saying is, if you will seek the kingdom, if you will devote yourself to the supernatural kingdom, if you will give everything to that and the righteousness he gives, everything the world pursues will just be added to you. You don't need to sweat it. You don't need to figure it all out. God will take care of you. But, but, but when we're not devoted to that, we're not devoted to him first, we find ourselves trying to struggle and figure it out ourselves. Matthew 6, 24 says, no one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate the one and love the other. You will, say it with me, the theme of the year, 
devoted to one and you'll despise the other. I mean, that, that, that verse really kind of just kind of catches me because if I find myself devoted to making money, pursuing career, everything else, telling myself I'm devoted to God, but if I stop and look at all my resources, where am I investing them? Where do I invest my time, my talents, and my energy? How do I use? Yeah, there, there, are, there are some that say, I'm totally devoted to God, but I'm not doing any ministry. I don't give any money to anything other than what serves me. I don't pursue God in any quiet time. I rarely read the Bible because I read it once. But I'm devoted to God. Friend, you're only fooling yourself and Satan has you exactly where, you want, where he wants you. Believing the lie that your devotion lies with God when it really lies with mammon. Pursuing things that will pass away. He says you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. You can't be enslaved to the systems of this world, the government of this world. But, but don't we find ourselves there often? Having to choose between which one we're going to serve. And God's saying, who will you be devoted to? Acts 2, it's interesting. Look at Acts chapter 2, it says this. All the believers devoted themselves, really, to everyone in this room, to everyone. Do you, do you realize that that God has called us to be devoted to one another. Look around. You may not like the person around you, but God called you to be devoted to them. You know, I said this last week. If, if I were to say, I own the truck, or I, that truck out in the parking lot belongs to me, you'd say, well, that means you own the truck. How many would agree? Right? That when you belong to one another, I have a responsibility to take care of that truck. I have a responsibility to be a part of the life of that truck. And if you belong to one another in this room, we possess the responsibility to be in the issues. When you got an issue, we're there with you. We're walking you through it. We're loving you through it. We're supporting you through it. When you celebrate victories, your kids grad, that we're there with you because we belong to one another. Hello, let's wake up. We cannot continue to go through this life and not realize that we need one another. And we have to take a look at what we're devoted to because we're devoted to a whole lot of things that doesn't care a bit about your life. You think that job is going to stick with you when they start having to cut jobs? You've been giving it your life. They're going to stick around for you as soon as you're, they're done with you, as soon as you get too old or you can't do the job or someone younger comes to do it better and cheaper, than, you're gone. And they're not going to waste much time caring about it. And yet we give our life to those things. It says all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles teaching the fellowship, sharing in meals and to prayer. There was a deep sense of awe a decent sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Something supernatural takes place when we're devoted to one another, when we love being together, when we enjoy company. But you cannot enjoy being with people you refuse to talk to. Right? 
We blow in and we blow out. You're not connecting because you've chosen not to devote yourself to the body. And there's something that takes place when you go to people that you would normally never spend time with and you say, hi, my name is James. I'm devoted to you. I want to know who you are. If I'm going to be devoted to you, I need to know who you are. Who are your kids? Tell me about your life. Let's go to dinner. Let's, let's devote. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. And they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those. And need. why? Because where your treasure is, your heart follows. See, when you're devoted, when you're devoted, when it comes hell and high water, you're there. When it comes to being all in, they're all in. They're fully persuaded. They are sold out. They are decided. They have decided. They have, are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. They're not ashamed. That it doesn't matter what happens. I'm with you. I'm with you. How many things in life do you have? Where no matter what you go through, those people will never leave you. And you have, the, you have the certainty that that relationship will stand. How many things are you devoted to where that isn't true? You know, I was taken back to this idea of, um, I was thinking like in the 90s, there were the Chicago Bulls. And, and then you had the Lakers, and of course the Packers had a following, where, where they had these people called bandwagon fans. And a bandwagon fan, they're a fan, and you know, fan means fanatical. So it's almost like saying bandwagon fan, but they get fanatical when everything's winning. When everything is going right, they're on board. They're there. Like they, they pretend, they, they buy all of the, the gear, they pretend like they've been a fan for years and they celebrate and they're jumping and they're screaming every champion. You got bandwagon fans mixed in with the fan and, and they're there just screaming and yelling and the moment they start to lose, they're gone. They're not around because they were just on the bandwagon and what's left are the devoted fans. The ones that go through, how many know a little bit about that? I'm watching a bowl game, and it's a meaningless bowl game, football game, and there is a fan, and, and, and he's weeping because his team lost. It was like it was a meaningless bowl game. It was like tax slayer bowl, you know, like, like had no meaning. It just, we needed two teams, and they put it, and he is bawling in the stands, and I'm like, brother, there's a whole lot of other things to cry about. That, that ain't one of them. <laughs> but he was a devoted fan. Why do I bring that up? Because there are a whole lot of bandwagon believers. Bandwagon believers. When everything is exciting and growing, when everything is going well, man, I am, I'm part of it. I'm not going to invest anything in making it happen. I'm just going to jump on the bandwagon and, and I'm going to live off of what everyone else has invested, all the time they've invested, and I'm going to come in and I'm going to jump and scream and this is great till it all starts to turn around and then I'm out of here. What's amazing is it happens in every culture, in every generation. It happened to Jesus. 
Every Jesus is doing miracles. He's preaching these incredible messages. People are coming. The crowds are getting really big. And they're following Jesus. And they're seeing the deaf people hearing and blind people seeing and lame people walking. And they're eating incredible food, sitting there. And they didn't have to do anything. And they're walking along. And Jesus says something that clears the wagon of all the fans that were just there for the excitement, energy, and show. And he says this. He says, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. What? Did did he just say that? What? But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. Peace out, Jesus. I am out of here. I, I just remembered I got something else going on, and, you know, we got to get there. And, and you're out the door because they did not understand what Jesus was saying. See, bandwagon fans were never devoted to the movement. They just wanted to be in the celebration of the movement. They were never devoted to God. They just wanted to feel good about being around God. They wanted to have the, the glory that kind of comes off the body, devoted belief. They kind of wanted to experience that. They didn't want to actually be a part of it. They didn't commit their life to it. They didn't commit their resources to it. They didn't commit their talents to it. What they committed to it was just, it's there to serve me. When it stops serving me, I'm out of here. Hmm. Because you serve what you're devoted to. You serve, you invest in what you're devoted to. It's just the reality. And then what you're devoted to grows. If you devote your life to God, your relationship with God will grow. Does that make sense? But look what happens. Everyone's leaving. And Jesus makes this statement. It's amazing. He says, many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? Well, Jesus, it does sound a little bit like Satanism. (laughs) Eating flesh and drinking blood. I mean, I don't really understand it. You know, it doesn't make sense to me. But look at what Peter says. This is is incredible. Because we get down on Peter a lot. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. And then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you also going to leave? You're the ones that were found. Are you going to leave as well? And look what Peter says. Lord, to whom would we go? He says, Lord, I'm devoted to you because I know you. I don't have to understand everything, but I know you and I'm going to follow you even though I don't understand what's going on, even though things may not be what, what they seem, even though things may be going poorly in my life right now, even, and I don't understand why this is happening in my life. I don't understand why I'm going through this sickness. I don't understand why I'm going through this relational problem or this season of life. I don't understand it, but I know you, God, and I'm devoted to you. And so even though I don't understand, that is not going to prevent me from following you, Jesus. Where else would I go? Where, where else would I go? Where, where would I go from here? 
You have the words that give eternal life, and we believe, and we know that you are the one and only God. We know you're it. So God, I don't have to understand everything going on. Somebody needs to hear that in this room right now because you're sitting there going, I don't know that I understand this stuff. And so I'm going to take off running because there are people who when, when they don't like what's going on in life, they try to manipulate God and God never moves by manipulation. It's only by when you believe faith. I'm going to manipulate. God, if you're going to do good in my life, I'm out of here. Bandwagon believer. I'm going to manipulate because I'm going to tell God, if you don't do good in my life, I'm going to leave you and make you suffer. The only one who's going to suffer is you because you have completely shut the door to God doing anything in your life. And you think that works just because it worked with your parents? Come on, mom and dad. When life gets tough, bandwagon believers just leave. Bandwagon believers do not hang around when the going gets tough. When the going gets tough, they run away. The heart of a bandwagon believer is convenience, but the heart of a devoted disciple is commitment. They push in deeper. They work harder. One of the most incredible examples of a devoted person, and what's amazing to me is, Wow, and you know I need water when I will drink out of a bottle that has lipstick on it. <laughs> that is horrible. <laughs> you have no idea how much water I have to do. I looked at that and I've been like, wow. <laughs> and now I've got to get back to where the most, one of the most, uh, most incredible examples of a devoted believer and we don't do this enough. In fact, the Lord is really showing me how, how many incredible women leaders there are. We don't see enough even in the Bible. How many know there's some incredible women leaders and you one of them? Raise your hand. Say, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Come on. Come on. You can hoop that up a little bit. I forgot. I'm out here. Come on. Somebody say amen. They're great leaders. One of the greatest leaders in the Bible is Ruth. She is a woman that marries this guy from another country and, uh, and, and, and enters this family where she has a mom and a, a mother-in-law and father-in-law and then, uh, and, and then a, a, a brother-in-law and, and this other brother-in-law marries another woman. And so now she's got two, this woman has two sons and they marry daughters, Ruth, and I always call them Oprah, uh, but it's not because the other name sounds more like, or, uh, you know, Orca. And uh, it's... it's uh, Oprah, it's uh, Orpah, it's Orpah, okay? So, so what happens is the dad dies, leaving the mother, Naomi, and then her two sons die, leaving these three ladies, Orpah, Ruth, and Naomi. And so they're, they're like, we can't make it here. And the only reason they left their homeland was because there was a drought and they wanted to come over here to find life. And now she's like, we got to go back to my family. So they're on their way back and she realizes what she's doing to her daughters-in-laws. And she's like, really, you don't, there's no, like you don't have any tie to me now that my sons are dying. Go live your lives. Like go restart, you know, God will bless you. Go do that. And Orpah says, okay. And she leaves. And I, I'm not even saying what she did was wrong. But what Ruth did was, Ruth said, I'm not leaving you. 
She had no idea about the Redeemer's law. She had no idea about Naomi's family or how important they were in Israel. They had, she had no idea of any of that. But she had this undying vow she had maybe either made to her husband who now died. And she's like, I feel a responsibility to Naomi and I'm going to live up. Would it be easy for her to just go back? It would have been easier for her to just go back. But there was something in Ruth that said, I am not turning around. Look at this. It says, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wow, she's like, I'm devoted to you, Naomi. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. And when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said, nothing more. In that moment, God provided Naomi with a woman who was devoted to her. And in her devotion to Naomi, Ruth was rewarded with Boaz. And the lineage of God on earth came through Ruth. It was part of who God was, was his devotion. And here is a woman that, for no other reason, it didn't benefit her. She was going to be devoted. She's going to be devoted. There are, there are, and, and I, there are seven ingredients to being devoted to God. Devoted to anything, really. And I'm going to go through them quickly, so write them down. I don't have a lot of time and about a minute, an ingredient, okay? So write fast, but I'm going to give them to you. These aren't big points, long points. They're easy to catch. The first one, and they're going to really be an acrostic for devoted. So the, we're going to start with D. Devoted D, and we're going to end with D, okay? Here's the first one, desire. You will never be devoted to anything you don't have a desire for. It's why God said he was going to take the law that was written on stones. He realized just because you had the law didn't mean you were going to follow it unless it was written in your desires, written on your heart. You had to want to, that you do what you believe. You don't do what you know, but if it was written on your heart... <clears throat> here's the first thing if you're going to be devoted to what God wants you devoted to you have to have the desire in your heart and if you're going to have the desire in your heart it's got to come from God not from you you need a miracle friend this morning if this has not already happened in your life I am not going to put a millstone on your neck and weigh you back with this because it is impossible in your own power to be devoted to God. It's impossible. Until God opens your eyes to see and your ears to hear, when you see God and you hear His voice, it will change your heart and the desire of your heart will cause you to pursue Him and be devoted to Him. And there are so many other things in this world. You know, I know we feel blessed that we live in America, but in many ways, it's been a curse. Because there are so many other things that have gotten our heart. Because they're incredible. We've created our heaven on earth. That we don't even long to go to heaven. In fact, we're so afraid of death because we love our heaven we created. 
Isn't it true? We're so devoted to this place that we don't live for that place. Our desires, so if it changes, friend, listen, please, there is no, there's no burden in this. But this is where it starts. You say, well, if there's no burden in it, then where does it start on my behalf? This is where it starts. Lord, I need a miracle. Lord, I need a miracle. I thought I knew all about this, but what I've realized, the more I know, the less I realize I know. Will you open my eyes to see and my ears to hear? Will you change the desires of my heart? I give you my heart. Lord, will you write in my heart a desire for you that would be unquenchable? You see, it's like what Denny Duran was saying on Friday night, is we, dread, we just, oh yeah, I got to go to church. Like going to church is a burden. Rather than I can't wait to be around the people of God. Because they were devoted. They met every day together. And you're thinking, boy, that'd have been miserable. Unless you loved the people you came, you came together with. Unless you were so devoted to it that you longed, you hated not being with each other. It was a different thing than what we've seen in this country. Because there's so many other things that draw. We look forward to so many other things on a Sunday than we do being in the presence of God. And he's here. Make no mistake about it. God's here. Hi, God. I mean, that's scary for me sometimes. It's scary for me a lot of times. We need a miracle. Psalms 37.4 says this. Take delight in the Lord. Psalms 37.4 says, Take delight in the Lord and He will give you the desires in your heart. He'll write them on your heart. Look at the next one in Corinthians, or Philippians. In Philippians, it says this. For God is working in you, giving you the desire. Now, I love this part. He's giving you the desire. And look at this. Because He's like, Man, I'm going to give you the desire but I'm also going to have to give you the power to do it. He's like, listen, you don't, like, if the system in your life is connected and you're devoted to God, you're seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, it's not hard to follow God. We're just following what everyone else is saying. All the other systems, like, we don't trust the system God gives us. He says, I'm going to give you the desire and then the power to fulfill. I love this verse. This is like a verse you should put in your house to do what pleases him. Like he's going to give you that. Here's the second, second thing in devoted. D-E, empty. We have to empty the foolishness out of our life. There are things, activities, and people <laughs> that need to go. You know what I'm talking about. Like Abraham was called to go to the promised land. And when he got there, most people don't realize that when he got there, God never told him to go to Egypt. It was Lot and Sarah. Lot convinced Sarah to convince Abraham that we need to go to Egypt because we came here and there's a drought in the land. And God brought them to the promised land and said, this is it. And it's a drought. It surely wasn't what they expected. And so they, he was easily convinced by Lot and Sarah to go to, a, to Egypt when God never told them to go there, and it was in Egypt that they found Hagar and brought her back. And it wasn't until God said, Abraham, you need to get Lot out of your life. Some of you have people in your life, it's time you get them out of your life. You need to empty certain people out of your life. Let me give you a reason why. There are three types of people you have in your life. Here they are. You have soulmate. Soulmate is the person 
that's been a friend for years, they will always be a friend. The moment you connect, even if you haven't talked in a year or two, you connect, it's like you've been with each other from the moment you first met, like you just connect. How many have some soulmates in here? You know what I'm talking about, right? Then you have your first mate. Your first mate are those people that are there close to you during seasons of your life. They're very close. They're there to walk with you, help you. Good friends, but then when life changes and transitions, you maybe go different directions. You never talk to them again, but in that season, they were extremely important in your life. That's your first mate. How many are glad for first mates? But then you have these people that are called cellmates. And that's exactly what it means. There are people that when you're in a season that seems like a prison, they don't want you to leave because misery loves company. And when the Lord is speaking to you promises and dreams, they're there to undercut every one of them in your life to remind you that you belong in the prison and you'll never be those things and why it's impossible that that will ever happen. And it is the cellmate that you need to usher out of your life. If you're going to be devoted, you have to say to some people, maybe you're dating them. Maybe you're getting close to even getting married to them. You say, you know what? I'm not going down that road with you because you are not breathing life into me. Sure, there are people that we're on mission for, that we're, we're investing in. What a cellmate is, isn't somebody who's receiving the life you're giving. They're actually giving you death and not listening to anything you have to say. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we're surrounded, and you may miss this, what are you? Who are you surrounding yourself with? By a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. Not sin, it's everything that hinders. And then it says, and the sin that so easily entangles. There are things that aren't sin, but they're hindering you right now. They're an anchor in your life. Here's the third thing, vision. We all need a vision for our life. We all need a vision. What is my life for? What am I living for? What is it I want said about me when I lay down in my last breath of life? What is it that I want said about me? What am I living for? What's the vision for my life? Here's the next one. I need to obey. If, if we're going to be devoted, we need to obey. Obedience is better than sacrifice. By the way, if you were obedient, you wouldn't have to make so many sacrifices. If you just did what God said, you wouldn't have to make some of the sacrifices we have to make in life. If we're obey, obedient to God, because God loves... How many tend to be openly disobedient? Like, if you're going to be disobedient, you're just disobedient. Just raise, you know. Okay, raise. It's amazing. There's only about two of you raise your hand on that. Three, okay. How many are the silent, defiant type? Raise your hand. Okay, most of you are because you didn't, you, you didn't raise your hand. Because I asked you to obey by raising your hand for one, and you're like, I'm not raising my hand. I'm doing that. I'll smile at you, but I'm not raising my hand, right? The, 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 whether you're silent or defiant or not, we need to be more obedient to what God's telling us to do. And you will walk in favor like you've never... If you're devoted to God, you just obey Him whether you understand it or not. Some of you say, you know what, Pastor, I'm not into this blind faith. God doesn't always ask you to walk blindly into things, but He's going to ask you to walk blindly into some things. Because it will speak to whether you believe in Him and who He is. Here's the next one, trust, trust, trust. We have to trust Him. If you're going to be devoted, you've got to trust God. You know what's amazing? 
and this is amazing. I have a friend who's a Lakers fan. And before LeBron got to the Lakers, they were losing a lot. And, and I asked him, I said, because he kept talking about how great the Lakers are. And if you're in Minnesota, um, one, you just, you either like the Lakers or you hate them because they were the Minnesota Lakers. So you either hate them for leaving or you liked them because they were here, right? And this guy just constantly talked. He's annoying. He's obnoxious. How many have ever met those obnoxious fans? And they were losing and they weren't any good, right? They weren't any good at all. And I'm like, how are you sitting there talking like that? You know what he told me? This is what he told me. This is exactly what he told me. He said, I'm just trusting the management. They're up to something behind the scenes. <laughs> he had faith in the management. And we as believer, we don't know what's going on. But do you trust the management? That God's doing something behind the scenes. That God's working for your good even though you can't see it. Do you believe it? Devoted believers do. A devoted fan in God. A devoted believer in Christ says it may not look good right now. What's happening right now in, in our eyes, sight may not look good. But God's up to something. God's working something out right now in my life and I'm just trusting that he's up to something behind the scenes. Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Here are the last two, expectation. We get to expect, a devoted believer expects great things are gonna happen. Look at this verse. This is what a devoted believer knows. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has even imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Do you believe that or do you just know it? Because if you believe it, I'm telling you, your best days are still ahead. There's still great things ahead. You're not just living them today. And the, and the last one is discipline. If you're going to be a devoted believer, you need to be disciplined. Because discipline is when it would be easier to walk away. No, I'm staying. I trust and believe that this is who I'm going to follow. I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what happens. Even if it costs me my life, I'm going to follow Jesus. You know, um, will you stand and get ready to sing this, this song? Go ahead, team. Get ready. I heard this story told to a friend of mine from his father. I thought it was such a fitting story for this. It's like a breakfast at a farm. And at this farm, you have the cow, you have the chicken, and you have the pig. And to make a breakfast at this farm, the cow goes into the barn, he gives his milk, and then he comes out. The chicken goes into the barn, he lays, she lays his, her eggs. <laughs> Almost got that wrong. She lays the egg and then she leaves. But in order for the pig to give his contribution to the breakfast, he goes in the barn and never comes back. He is completely devoted to that breakfast. The pig and the chicken, they come and go and they give a little bit there and they do their thing and they feel good that they played a part. But the pig gives his life. God sent his son and laid his life because he was fully devoted to you. And then he says this, now you follow me. You follow me. Because here's the thing. 
You're married to sin till death do you part. And the reason he says you need to follow me is you die to break the vow to sin. So that when you die, and that's what water baptism shows, is when you're buried, it's symbolizing the fact that I died to that person, but when I come up, I'm now Christ, free from the vow to sin. Now I can make a vow to Christ. I'm free from the vow I had made. Now I can make a new vow fully devoted to Christ. That's why it says in Romans 6, I no longer live in that place. I died to that place. Now when I came up, I'm newly, I'm now able to make a marriage vow to Christ. You got to lay down your life. You got to be the pig. Somebody say oink oink right now. Right? <laughs> I could have had you snort, but I thought oink was better. How many of you are saying, God, I'm laying down my life. I don't want to just be a, a contribute to this thing. I don't want to just play a part. God, I want to give my life to this. I want to be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. I, I only have a few years left, or maybe I have my whole life ahead of me, but I want to give what's left to you, Lord, completely devoted to you. Anyone in here says, that's what I want to do, and I want to do it today. It's going to take God to come and do a miracle in your heart, to take all of those desires that got you distracted running in every direction, to say, no, 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 this is most important to me. This relationship is most important to me. And everything else in my life is going to be literally prioritized around this right here. If that's you right now, will you just raise your hands and you're saying, yeah, I'm devoting my life. I got my hands up. I don't care what anyone thinks. Right now, I'm raising up saying, God, I'm devoting. Will you do a miracle in my heart right now? Will you do a miracle? You got to ask. You got to ask. This is you asking. I'm just giving you some words, but you got to take over right here and just begin to ask the Lord, God, I am devoted to you. I want to be devoted to you, Lord. Something's got to change. Inside this heart, Lord God, something's got to change. Start it this morning, Lord God. Ignite something this morning in me, Lord, where I am not the same when I leave this place. There is a fire in us. There is something the Lord wants to do today in your life. Yes, Lord God. Yes, Lord God.